Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Granite Cornerstone podcast. We are here tonight to discuss the topic of introspective masonry. And joining us for this discussion is the Right Worshipful District Deputy Grand Education Officer of the Second Masonic District and world-renowned Masonic artist, Right Worshipful Brother Ryan Flynn. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Um, so... Welcome to the podcast. It's, it's great to have you. And and again, one of the things that we're here to talk about tonight is introspective Freemasonry. And I kind of wanted to start this off with, I think, the obvious question. When we talk about introspective Freemasonry, what are we talking about? Well, it's um it's it's a way of looking at Freemasonry in a way that makes you look at yourself uh, and how the ritual specifically affects you. And the philosophy that the ritual teaches and how to make that change you for the better. Uh, the, I think the best way to explain it is, you know, if you look at what the goals of Freemasonry is, or if you look at even the word Mason, um, what is a stonemason? Well, a stonemason is a person who carves their own ashlar and it, that ashlar is carved until it fits the builder's plan. And in many of our illusions, the builder's plan is to build the temple. And so, in all of our Masonic ritual, there's rarely, if ever, a time where you say you need to fix someone else. It's all about fixing you. So taking these lessons that you learn and contemplating on it, really thinking about it and applying them to yourselves is, is kind of this introspective approach to, to what we all learn. And so what value do we as Masons get from this process? What, what's the, what's the real point of looking inside and, and asking ourselves how to apply the ritual? Well, I think that, I mean, it's, I think it's the whole purpose of Freemasonry. I mean, you know, if, if you take the aspects that, that Masonry is without application, it, it would kind of be a pointless fraternity. You know, if, if, if the, if we're taught to learn the liberal arts and sciences, well, and that's it, you know, like what's the difference between this and going to college, you know, or if, you know, we're taught to, you know, treat each other as equals and see each other as equals and not actually apply it, then what's the difference between just reading a book or a scripture or anything like that? It's, it really becomes something when you apply it to yourself and, and figuring out how that connection connects to you, the word, I guess, and figuring out, um, that that moment when you realize that okay this means something to me and this is where i need to change something for the better and this is where i'm going to go with it so i think without action without self um betterment which is what we all claim to do we all say you know freemasonry makes good men better well unless you think we're going to get better by osmosis and just being around good people and all of a sudden poof i'm a better person because of that it's the application in that to yourself and the actual following through and figuring out how I can make myself better. That actually makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, you and I have kind of discussed this a little bit in the past. And I think that the idea of introspective Freemasonry sounds really interesting. It sounds like something that, you know, obviously everyone should be looking at doing, but that journey isn't easy. Introspection no. is not something that you know, anyone or most people are good at off the bat. So how do you develop a, a culture of introspection? How do you develop the drive to look inside yourself? I mean, what, what, what motivates you to pursue this? Well, what motivated me was traveling. Um, you know, being a Masonic speaker, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to travel further than most people, uh, in masonry, uh, and more frequently. And, um, Luckily, because of these travels, I've, I've met a few brothers that just stood out and the message that they were pushing just sounded amazing. And, you know, like brothers like Chuck Dunning, Ben Wallace, those guys just they, they said something that hit home to me. And, um, you know, once you see all these different forms of Freemasonry and you realize that Masonry is has a specific goal, but its approach is so different between so many different people. Um, you kind of pick up on how people apply it. And then by seeing that you, you learn to apply it to yourself. And it really does start with the, that, that realization that like, okay, I'm a rough Ashler. And if this is really supposed to change me, um, I need to figure out what parts of this Ashler I got to chip off. And um, I find at least 
with me, uh, it wasn't very hard to realize what parts of me needed to be chiseled off. <laughs> you know, we're not, if you approach this truthfully and, and, and with vigor, it's very easy to know what your faults are. <laughs> we all know our faults. The hard part is starting to chisel away at that. And um, once you get there, you know, I, I always found that for me, the first time I caught something that I was always doing wrong and I did it right once, even though I failed many times after that and I'll fail again and again, you know, it's not an easy task. But, you know, once you realize that, all right, today I actually chiseled off that asphalt, um, it, it, it's it's addicting. It, it really is. And um, especially when you have other brothers who are who are in the same mindset, who are there to help you. You know, someone you can vent on, someone you can ask, someone uh, if you're into the spiritual aspects of the craft, someone you can pray with, um, that sort of stuff. Just being in the company of good men who all have that similar drive, uh, it's it's very easy to uh, to be put on that path. It's not hard to stay on it, but it's good. It's it's easy to get put on it. And and well, so that's that's an interesting phrase, getting put on it. Do you think that that is something that is you know, in your case, obviously was, was motivated by exposure to, to other people and other places that, you know, most people haven't had the opportunity to visit. But do you think that that's something that in general is motivated internally or externally? Do you think that somebody makes the choice to put on, go on that path? Or do you think that somebody says, you know, these external pressures are putting me on a path and I need to, to make those changes myself? I think it's, a, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, you know, most of us who go into Freemasonry have very little, or at least when I went through Freemasonry, a lot of us had no idea what we were getting into. We had this cookie cutter idea of what Freemasonry was. And, um, you know, we just kind of dove in. We were, you know, we were told that, you know, you got to keep, keep what we do secret and you got to keep moving and you're not allowed to tell anybody about this. And, and sounds awesome because you're like, yeah, I'm part of a cool secret club now. This is going to be the best. Then you go through your degrees and you're like, yeah, I've gone through all my degrees. And then, you you know, somebody points it to a, you know, a appended body. Yeah, I'm an appended body. And, and, you know, like there's there's this drive that happens. And um, though it's important to experience all those things, I think you get to a point or at least I got to a point where I was like. All right, I've, I've gone through all this, but I feel like the same person just with different experiences right now. And. Um, I feel like that person who stepped over the threshold, only I know a few words and phrases and I've met everybody and I've gone to a couple of meetings. And I think once you get to that realization that like, all right, there's got to be something more to this. Um, figuring out what that is, is kind of what's going to drive you to it. I, I truthfully believe that if you're really going to do an approach masonry in a contemplative and introspective way you have to learn about the history of freemasonry and at least get a a sense of what the purpose of the fraternity is and you do that by studying i mean and studying is a scary word too you know a lot of people think of studying masonic history and and um you know reading you know the wilmshurst and the prestons and all that it, it, it's daunting to some people there are people out there in this fraternity who don't want to read a book and that's okay. There's other ways to approach education. But again, I don't care if you can quote Wilmshurst, or I don't care if I can quote Wilmshurst and then stab you in the back 10 seconds later. There's that part of Freemasonry that you have to take, take what you've learned and use it on yourself. And the easiest motivation is just being around someone of like mind. If, if you're around someone like that, or if you have, you don't, not physically, I mean, there's, there's groups out there you can meet online and stuff, but once you figure out that core group of people who want you to succeed and want to be there to support you when you're going down this path, it's very easy to take the first step. And like I said, usually that first step is like, you know what? I know I am a jerk sometimes and I need to fix this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Funny that you say it like that. And I, I am not somebody who has necessarily taken an introspective look at Freemasonry. I've certainly observed some of the lessons and, and made changes to the way that I operate, whether it's within the lodge or without, you 
know, primarily without the lodge, but it's not something I've done actively. It's really been something that's passive and to counteract what you said earlier, it's a little bit through osmosis. It's hearing the ritual, memorizing the ritual and falling in love with the ritual has put me in a place where I live the ritual a little bit more every day, but I'll share a personal experience. I think, I don't know, eight years ago, you and I, you and I were initiated and raised roughly around the same time, but about eight years ago, I, I put a Masonic emblem on the back of my car. And this is, this is something I read about a lot online. Um, you know, I, I'm a big user of the Reddit Facebook, uh, Reddit Freemason forum. And one of those things is the minute you put that emblem on the back of your car, it should cause you to take a step back and approach the way you drive a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. I'm an aggressive driver. I'm somebody who would cut people off and, and weave in and out of traffic. And I, I noticed that my driving is always better when I have a Masonic emblem on my car because I, I have to take that second to stop and say, this isn't how I should be doing this. This isn't how I should be representing myself or the fraternity. And I think that, you know, that was probably my first step into really looking at the lessons that Freemasonry teaches and applying it to myself. And it's, a, I mean, that's a small step. You know, if you ask Chris Busby or yourself, we've driven home probably past each other several times on the highway. And I'm still a little aggressive, but it's, it's, that's the first step in looking at what the lessons really teach us. And I think that that was a profound experience for me, even beyond, you know, deep introspection. And I think everybody can relate to something like that where they've second guessed a thought or an action because of the words that they've heard in watch. Yeah. And like the perfect example. And just to add to that, I don't have a Masonic emblem on my car for that reason. You know, <laughs> I drive I it on my car either. Yeah. Not I anymore. drive it for work many times and yeah, well, yep, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, the, the introspective thing would, would be to take the next step is to be like, all right, well, is, is the emblem on my car what makes me a Mason? Because I'm wearing that emblem on my heart all the time. So I should, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying like, if from my point of view, it's like, all right, well, everybody knows I'm a Mason. So that emblem stamped on my forehead, whether I like it or not. So I need to work on myself so I act in all my situations that, all right, I'm representing Freemasonry at a time. Um, and that's, that, that's actually been very hard for me. Um, you know, and I, I think the hardest part for me um, with all of this was, you know, when I really started diving into this, which was about like two to three years ago, um, you know, I, I went through this phase where I was just miserable <laughs> and I, I reached out to a couple of people who were in a group with me about this. And I was like, I, like, I don't feel good right now about myself. And I got, I had all this support and they were talking to me about like, Hey, if you're really going to dive into self self-realization and self-exploring, you're going to go through this phase. Like you're, you're going to get knocked down, but you got to get up and, and work on the positives and, and realize that, you know, most of the time you're doing a very good job. You're just focusing on the negatives. And, um, it was a hard step to get over, but it, it was rewarding because you get knocked down and you realize, yeah, you know what? I, I my Ashore is a lot rougher than I thought it was. And, um, and, uh, but it's, it's that realization that, that starts you on that path. You know, I, my, my prime example is, um, I realize that I'm emotionally distant to people when stress enters the, the equation because I'm emotionally distant. So if something bad happens to me, I shelter in place and I deal with it myself. That sounds and very Irish of you. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I deal with it. And I realized that I would do that inadvertently to other people who were experiencing the same thing. So I'd be your best friend and I would think the world of you. And, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't think any ill will of you, but if you were going through, going through something tough, my natural reaction would be to back off and wait for you to reach out to me. And I realized through really thinking about myself because when I was kind of going through this, something bad happened to me and then someone bad happened to my friend of mine. And it was that first like, Hey man, you all right? Like that was very hard for me. 
but it was a great step. And he was like, yeah, I got this. And he did. But it, it was a big step for me. And the other thing that, like, I, I think, like, the first victories I had for myself really was, um, again, stubborn Irish guy. Um, if you're doing something I don't agree with, well, screw you. I hope it fails. <laughs> you know? Um, right. you, you can stop insulting me, Ryan. All right. I get it. <laughs> no, it, but like um, this idea of like, especially in masonry, like, cause there's so many different forms. So I don't like that form of masonry and you're doing something over there that I don't like. Well, I'm not helping you. Don't ask for me to help. I hope you burn, you know, it just burns up and you fail and I look great because I did nothing to do with that. But, you know, one of our lessons is, you know, who best can work and who best can agree. And, and now I really do try to approach things like, hey, it might not be something I agree with, but if you need my help, I'm there for you. And, you know, we might disagree on something like that, but you're my brother. I don't want you to fail. And I've definitely helped out with people. I'm like, I really don't want to be a part of this, but you know, I want you to succeed as a brother and, and I'll help you out. And I, and that again, it was hard, hard to learn, you know, you eat, you eat the humble pie there with a big spoon, but um, it was a great lesson for me. It really was. It's well, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I'm thinking, you know, my last name may be French, but I guess I'm pretty Irish myself. I got a Celtic cross tattooed on my back because you know, when I, when I'm in the hospital, right, I got into a motorcycle accident a couple of years ago and I, I don't want people there. I don't want people to call me and ask me how I'm doing. I just want, you know, let me deal with it. Leave me alone. And I, like you, even to this day for me, especially I apply that same way I feel towards everybody else. I don't call, I have trouble calling people when they're in the hospital. I have trouble calling people when I know they're going through something because I know that if they called me, I, I would probably not answer the phone because I knew that I didn't want to have that conversation. And just this conversation is, is kind of leading me to realize that that's a major issue I have with myself. Yeah. You know, I know that I've seen friends, I've seen brothers go through situations and, and I probably should have called them, followed up, but because of the way I want to be treated when I'm in that situation, I kind of didn't, I got standoffish and, and distant. And that's, you know, I think, this is a working example of, of, you know, taking that inner look and having these conversations and seeing what it does. Yeah. And it, it, it's amazing how much our ritual and philosophy applies to all of these things. Um, you know, masonry is very broad when it comes to a lot of, of, of our lessons, but it's also a great thing because it applies to so much, you know, who best can work and who best can agree that applies to, the way I manage at work now, you know, I, I don't care if you fail, I want you to be better at your job, you know, as opposed to, well, screw this guy because he screwed up on that job and he should have been paying more attention. Okay. Well, what, what did I do to help you fail? And it's made me a much better leader. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll say the same thing. Uh, masonry has made me better. It's certainly responsible for a lot of the career advancement I've had in the last 10 years, because I apply those same principles to management. Mm -hmm. it, and that's, you know, it's not something I've really thought about actively, but it's certainly something I've done. And I think, you know, we have some interesting comments that are coming in, in, in the chat. One of them is from uh, Doug Paps. Masonry has taught me to be an actor rather than a reactor, mm. which, you know, I think is, is a really good way to put it because it reacting to things tends to be emotional, tends not to be well thought out and, and taking that time to, get your thoughts together and acting on it is, is important. Yeah. And you know, you've got another one from Brian Ellis when he gets stressed or his mind isn't right. A Masonic reading a Masonic book will get him back to center. Mm -hmm. I think that's, those are very important things to, to read in the chat because those are very important lessons. You know, masonry, when I go through ritual, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a ritualist. I love the ritual. And I think that one of the things that made it better for me was to learn or, or read more into it, to get the subtleties of the ritual and how, how that applies to life as opposed to just applying to the degree that we're doing tonight. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is it in, in ritual that we should be looking for? Is it allegory? Is it, 
Is it a double meaning? Is there something that, that really, you know, we need to identify in our ritual to really start understanding these lessons and applying them? One of the best advices that was ever given to me, I was in a group and, um, you know, I, I read a bunch. Um, I, I have a very ADD approach to reading where I'll read something and it'll bring up a topic that I don't know anything about and I'm off on a tangent and I'll put that book down and I'll start picking up different things till I figure out at least a working knowledge of, of what it is. And then certain books have taken me years to get through. I mean, I Chuck Dunning's book, The Contemplative Masonry, I'm not through it and I've had it forever um, because it keeps making me think about certain things and kind of distilling the, um, the thoughts that he's doing down into a, a manner in which I can understand it a little bit better and then how it applies to me. Um, and I think that is without question the most important step when it comes to ritual. Um, you know, as I said before, um, you know, it's, you know, masonry has to be self-evident and has to apply to yourself. And um, I was in a group and we were talking about Kabbalah of all things, which I have no understanding of other than, you know, the footnotes. And um, this brother who's been a huge influence on me, he goes like, you know, in Kabbalah, we reference the temple a lot. And the temple is you. You're you're the temple. You're, you're the temple to the spirit of God, which lies inside of you. He said, take that and apply it to masonry. And every time you hear the word temple, think of you. And that was just this earth shattering moment with how I approach Freemasonry, because when you take into consideration all three degrees and make the, make it so that the temple and every person in our ritual represents you. So um, without getting into our ritual specifically, you know, you're, you know, you're the three ancient grandmasters. Each one of them represents an aspect of you. You're, you're Hiram Abiff. He, he represents you. And, and then the, the final one, you're, you're both the, the hero and the villain. And each one of those people represents an aspect of you. And there's a lesson in each of their stories that you can apply to yourself. Well, that takes our symbolism to a whole new level. And it takes it completely into a personal, uh, uh, personal aspect of it. You know, like, how am I building up my temple? Is my temple being built for the, the right reasons? You know, why why is there so many more craftsmen as opposed to master masons? Because, you know, like there's a lot of people working on the, the easy stuff and the hard stuff is left to the people who are really trying to work on it. Well, if I'm a master mason, I better be working on this stuff. Or I really shouldn't feel comfortable calling myself a master mason. And um, especially with third degree, which we won't get into, obviously, that process completely changed my interpretation of that degree and it led to phenomenal discussions about it that i'll talk we're, we're going to be talking in in district two in in a couple of months but we can get into that later but um it it really transforms this into not just mere ritual where you know you're memorizing it and you're performing it but it's really uh each degree is a degree for you and you go through that degree every time you hear it and every time you think about it. And then it just, it just explodes. And you know what? It's interesting because when we talked about ritual on the podcast and, and you know, whenever you listen to your DDGLs or the, the grand lecturer, ritual is not just for the person going through the degree. Mm -hmm. And yeah, some of us are just there because we like to see good ritual. But some of us are also there because we want to hear those words and, and think about how they apply now. I, I would say that, you know, the third degree in a similar way has changed more than anything for me. Um, the, the second half of that degree in particular is something that I view drastically differently than I did when I received it, you know, uh, 13 years ago. Um, and it's, it's because of the way I've heard it done, the, the talks that I've had with other people. You and I just had a conversation about this the other night, about the different aspects of personality that get, you know, embroiled in that third degree. Um, but, yeah, I think that seeing that ritual and hearing it more and more and thinking about where you are in life today compared to where you were in life five years ago is a really important exercise at, at applying ritual. 
what did what did those words mean to you then? What do they mean to you now? And what are they going to mean to you next time? I think that is a really good way to look at identifying that growth through ritual because the words mean something different than they did before. And if I, you don't feel that, then then you need to listen harder. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I really think, you know, if you look at our degrees, there's a analogy I learned from our Prince Hall brother that I loved where he said like the first degree is about morality. The second degree is about education and the third degree is about implementation. Um, yeah, that's great. And, um, and, uh, the first degree, you know, one of the things that we say is, you know, truth is what is manifest in, in our meaning. And, you know, an introspective way to look at the concept of truth is I don't know the truth. I never will. It's this unattainable goal that's out there. There's always something new to be known. There's always something more to understand. And, you know, the famous saying, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. Um, that really should apply to you. It, if, if you can really apply the concept of truth to yourself, the ego goes away um, or it should go away or at least be lessened. And, you know, again, talking about my rough Ashler, you know, I definitely went through a phase where I was like, this is what masonry is. I can define masonry right for you right now. It is this. And if you want to do education, you have to memorize these books and you have to be able to quote this and you have to quote that. And if you don't do this, you're not really practicing masonry. Or I can say, oh, and then I went through another phase where, you know, when I first joined masonry, I was like, all right, if you're not showing up to lodge, you're not a mason, you know, that that sort of thing. And by taking that that application of truth and and realizing that you need to, you, you don't have to, you need to look at things in a broader perspective and not assume that you know the truth um, uh, walking into it, that you're going, like you, you, you don't know, you know, people who get up there and, and I, and I belong to lodges that are complete opposites. I mean, I belong to a TO lodge, you know, I believe what we do in Freemasonry in our meetings is what it's supposed to be, but I'm no way am I ever going to knock someone else because how am I going to tell somebody who's visiting his brother on his dying, you know, in, on his deathbed in a hospice center that, Hey, sorry, you, you know, <laughs> what you're doing here is great, but it's not masonry. Like, no, that doesn't work anymore, you know? But I went through these phases when I think a lot of people were telling me this is the only way to do things. And only by by travel, and I mean extensive travel. And, um, you know, I like to say being a traveler, not a tourist, <laughs> is, is kind of my, my thing. Only by actually traveling uh, do you realize the broad spectrum of what, the power of this craft is. And when you accept that, it's it's a great way to look at it. It also really takes a lot of the anger out and the frustration. It's interesting. That, I keep saying this, but it's interesting that you said that because I think, you know, you and I have shared a building for over a decade now. You know, we've been in the same district, we've been in the same building. So we've had a lot of opportunities to interact. And I think that when I think about Masons who've gone through drastic transformations in their Masonic career. I think that you're one of the people that I, I point to is saying, you know, Ryan has done a lot of different things and he's landed in a lot of different places, but it all looks like you're building off of each one of those past selves. You know, you when you came into this fraternity and you made a name for yourself as a Masonic artist, you've made a name for yourself as an educational speaker. And, you know, now you're making a name for yourself as a, a speaker on the topic of introspective masonry as it relates to our degrees. And you're still a great Masonic artist. You're still a great expert on Masonic education, but you built on it and found that introspection is, is a path that is, I think, you know, from just from witnessing it third hand has really made a drastic impact on the way you comport yourself and the way you practice Freemasonry. I, I think I was doing introspective Masonry before I knew it. Uh, like the, the idea of like, you know, like, when when you read about introspective and more specifically like contemplative mason like chuck dunning's books he's the guy read those everybody here read them um they're not hard to read and they'll hit you in the feels um but you know he talks a lot about like meditation and stuff like that and, and meditation can be a very scary word for people who don't do it because they naturally assume like 
you know, Buddhist <laughs> chants and, you know, um, and in that sort of lotus position, which as a fat man, that's not going to happen here. Uh, but, you know, my, my form of meditation truly is sitting in front of my easel. Um, it, I really, I've said it, and I'm not trying to be like a hippie when I say it, but like, you know, my, my studio is, is my sacred space. Um, and that's where I do my best thinking when, when I'm trying to reduce the noise and create. And um, I think I've just embraced it more as I go through, you know, and um, I, I think the reason I've been so successful as, as, a, as, you know, someone who travels and talks about Freemasonry is I really don't try to approach it as an academic or as an artist. I, I, I approach it as me. And this is what's worked for me. And this is what I see. And I have no problem with what you see. But let's have a discussion and let's talk about this. And um, it's it's been very successful. And I learned that by watching other people do it. You know, I watched Ben Wallace do lectures and I'm like, I'm nowhere as good as he is. And, um, you know, I watch Oscar Allen and I'm never going to be as smart as that man. And, you know, I've watched Chuck Dunning and I'm never going to understand the mystery schools and all that stuff as him. But you, when you see it, you can pick up and you learn and you learn more about yourself. And again, you just kind of apply it to yourself without trying. And you're, you're going to succeed. You know, you just got to be you got to embrace it. So what's the difference, in your opinion, between actively trying and, and sort of passively being introspective? Um, I think introspect, having an inquisitive mind and being open to things is kind of the passive, passive way of looking at it. Um, and it's important. You, you need that to start. I think when you're actively going at it, it's when you realize there's something you want to experience, you, you seek it out more. Um, and that can be as something as simple as like Lodge A over there has a guy who's talking about something I have no idea is about. Let's go hear him out. You know, that that's that's a really easy way to do it. Um, and then like the, you know, the looking at yourself type of thing is like kind of what I was saying before about, you know, me becoming distant when when emotions run high is like, all right, I need to figure this out. You know, like, you know something is telling me to look at this, you know, call it a higher power, if you will call it just a ritual or something, but there's something is driving me to look at myself in a different way. And I feel responsible to do that. And, um, again, that, that's a lot harder. Um, and it's, it's sometimes it really sucks to, to embrace that and realize, um, realize how much you've screwed up in the past and that you need to change it. It's very easy to sweep it under the rug um, and, and just kind of go ahead. Like nothing's ever happened. Um, you know, my, you know, like one of the, one of the big ego kicks in the face that I got was, you know, like I used to talk behind people's backs and I freely admit it now because I've worked on this so hard, you know, um, Again, I don't like what you're doing. I don't agree with it. So screw you. <laughs> this guy sucks. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yada, yada, yada. Message everybody but him. Um, that does not happen with me anymore. And it it took a lot of apologies. It took a couple of really big ones. Um, but it also took like those first times when you stand up to yourself and you someone else is doing it. You say, I'm not that person anymore and I'm not going to be a part of this. Talk about, you know, feeling great about yourself. You know, it it. It's, again, a huge slice of humble pie. It's something I'm not proud of, but I embrace it that I used to be a part of. And, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm the better man for it now, and I hope other people do it too. But that's up to them. Do you, do you think those feelings that you get when, when things feel good and you say, this is something I'm not going to do, does that does that outweigh the, the struggle you go through realizing your flaws? Oh, it sucks much worse when you realize it. It's like having an argument with your wife and you storm off and then like you're in the other room and you realize she's right. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is going to be an uncomfortable evening. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of a couple of those. <laughs> um, but you, you know, still like, make me squirm. <laughs> but you know, like it, it, in all, you know, joking aside, like it's, it's worth it. 
Um, you know, another thing that like I try to do, I really honestly try to do now is I will tell you the truth no matter what. Um, and I've had that discussion with my wife, you know, you know, the whole, does this dress make me look fat thing? You know, I've told my wife, I'm like, that might not be the best choice. And I wasn't doing it to be mean, but my, you know, my wife and I've had a very long conversation with like, I want you to know, I'm going to tell you the truth no matter what. And if, um, if it makes both of us uncomfortable, I hope you know that I'm coming at it from a good reason. And um, in masonry, if you apply that to masonry, that I think that just shows how important it is to make sure that we bring the right people into the past. You know, the open door policy, that has to go. Because if you're in a room and you're in your lodge and you know that even though you don't agree with these people in your lodge or all the time, um, and you know that maybe things aren't pointing in the same direction, but you know that you're all doing this for the right reason, it's very easy to open up and be honest with each other. And if you can't do that in the lodge, then, you know, you got a real problem and it's not just you. Yeah. We, I mean, we've talked about that before. The lodge really should be, I hate using this term, but a safe space. Mm -hmm. It should be a place where you feel comfortable to bear those, those parts of yourself that don't get exposed outside of the lodge. And I think that those feelings and emotions that we, you know, go through, many men don't have an outlet for that. And lodge can service as that outlet if, if you're willing to trust the people you have in the room. And I think we talked about this a lot on the podcast is guarding the West Gate. Um, and, and we've been talking also, you've mentioned travel a lot tonight. That's something that we've hammered every single opportunity we get. You know, when you talk about ritual, when you talk about education, when you talk about, about this, traveling and seeing the way other people do it is going to inform you more than just sitting in your same lodge over and over and over again. That's not to say you shouldn't go to your own lodge, but understanding masonry from someone else's perspective will help you understand masonry from your own. And we've Absolutely. got, you know, uh, Trey Kirkpatrick on YouTube is saying, I agree on travel. And this is a great suggestion. I'm a new Mason and been lucky enough to have brothers asking me to see other lodges. It would be great if more brothers would ask newer brothers to go to other lodges. And I remember that's something that happened a lot more when, when I was a fresh young Mason than it does today. And those people who've had the opportunity to travel, especially out of state, as, as um, Trey is saying, is that's going to show you a whole different perspective on masonry. But just going, you know, in my case, 15 minutes over the border into Massachusetts I get to see completely different ritual. Mm -hmm. I get to learn different lessons potentially, and maybe apply those lessons differently because the way those words change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. The things that we do traveling is, is the most important thing because it will tie everything else together. Yeah. And like, I, I kind of said it before, but it's, it's a lesson I try to live by is, you know, um, and I'll explain it is don't be a Masonic tourist, be a Masonic traveler. It's, it's a lecture I did. A long time ago and what i mean by that is a tourist will go to every place that he can wherever he goes where he feels the most comfortable if i get on a cruise ship i want to go out if i'm a drinker i'm going to get off and i'm going to go to this new country and i'm going to go to the bar at the end of the dock and have the time a traveler will go experience the culture they'll go get out of their comfort zone and they'll they'll, they'll experience something completely different and embrace the concept of being out of their element um, you need to do that with masonry too uh, especially, you know, when you're traveling, it's really easy to find another lodge that you just get along with and you're going to go with that. That's great. Enjoy that. But go to the lodge that does something completely different from you and approach it in a way where you, I can't wait to see what this is about. Um, you know, from, from a personal thing, you know, I, I belong to Phoenix Lodge. We're a TO lodge. So we do things very differently in, so can you just real quick, can you tell everybody what TO means in this context? Yeah. So traditional observance, basically the, the premise of traditional observance is that the lodge meeting is a sacred meeting. It, it's, we use candles, we use incense, we use music. Um, you know, there's no talking in it. There's education at every meeting. There's barely any, any business. And, um, the whole idea is that every meeting you go to, you get something out of, and it's, you know, it's not something where you're going to get a presentation about George Washington every time you go in there. You know, we talk about the deep stuff. Um, that's just one way of doing it. Um, 
but I remember when that lodge came in, there were so many people angry about TO coming up. And a lot of times I'd have this exact conversation. I don't want to go to that lodge. I know what they're doing. They're all elitists. And I, you know, okay, have you ever been there? Well, no, but I know what they're doing. Like, no, you don't, you don't understand this. And I could say that from, you know, my perspective looking out like Ezekiel Bates Lodge in, in Attleboro. They're the furthest you're going to get from a TO Lodge. Um, they're like just really close. They, they, you know, it's Massachusetts ritual, so it's not as in depth as ours. I went there and I love it. You know, I have some of my best friends in masonry there. Um, and you just embrace how they do it because there's certain things that my lodge can't do that they do. And there's certain things that my lodge can do amazing and they can't do. And, um, it's, uh, it's, if I was so afraid to experiencing something new, I wouldn't be a member of either of these lodges. So, um, you know, get out of your comfort zone and don't be afraid, um, to experience something that's out, out there. And if you think it's less of you, if you think it's beneath you, oh, that's, that's two, but <laughs> there's two, two birds with one stone, because let me tell you, you're not above them. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, get out there, travel as far as you can. You know, you mentioned we're in New Hampshire. I mean, we're, we're four hours away from six jurisdictions. Wow. You know, all, yeah. That's, think, a, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you have all the States plus the Prince halls. Yeah. So, you know, no excuse, <laughs> get out there and travel. Um, but yeah. So, uh, brother Al Sewell wants to know where Phoenix is. What, where is that TO lodge? You go oh, to? it's in Tilton, New Hampshire. Um, and then another comment from Brian Ellis, the virtual traveling, traveling right now is also awesome. Exploring Masonic cultures all over the world is eye opening. And we've talked about that before. The pandemic has changed the way you consume Masonic content. I mean, yeah. this podcast is is largely coming as a result of, you know, pandemic content uh, requirements for the communications committee. But you go on Facebook, you can find a Masonic conversation every morning, noon and night, depending on what time zone you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really impressive. Yeah, I think it's I, I can't see Can't wait to see the next stage in that, because. For me you know, being able to do virtual education, I mean, I've done a ton of it, you know, when the, when the, uh, for, when this kind of started up, I kind of just said, Hey, everybody, I'm doing a presentation every two weeks. Yeah. Um, and, um, it was great. We got, we had hundreds of people chiming in, but I think now, and what I'm hoping is that you realize what that doesn't bring you because we, we ramped education up and made it accessible to a lot of people who didn't get it but we also cut the lodge out of it. And if you want to get back in the lodge, you better be providing something that they can't get online or you're not going to get your members back. So it's, I'm, I'm really interested to see where this, where this goes, because I think virtual education is here to stay and you're going to get a lot out of it. I mean, um, you're going to get so much out of it, but you need to get something out of your lodge too. So it's kind of like charge, like, all right, let's keep this momentum up boys and, and, and get it going in our own meetings as well. So this is a little off topic from introspective masonry, but you know, I, I kind of want to pose a question to you. If we're doing so well with virtual education, if we're doing so well with these presentations that can be delivered virtually without being in the lodge room, should the lodges focus on delivering a different experience because they can't compete or should they, what, what, What's your opinion on that? Um, I'm biased again. Um, so I, I love the, the, the TO kind of approach to it. I, I love that when I go to a meeting, it's very special and I experience something that is deep and meaningful. I will never get that out of a zoom call. Absolutely <laughs> I, might, agree. I, I will, you know, half the time we're not wearing pants, you know, let's be honest. Right. Um, but you know, I, I really think that if a lodge is struggling, for example, um, there's nothing wrong with a hybrid of it. You know, people bring Masonic speakers in all the time. And this gives you an opportunity that if you, you know, you're a lodge that's struggling, you don't have anybody around here. I mean, New Hampshire, we have the speakers bureau, we have our district education officers, and we have tons of brothers who know about stuff. And, um, we're always a phone call and an email away. 
but um, you know, for those lodges that really don't know what to do, it's so easy to email someone and say, can you zoom in and we'll meet in our lodge room. Um, I've done that for a couple of lodges in Massachusetts recently uh, where they just set up a TV and I was, I was, you know, under quarantine thing. So I had to uh, stay inside, but um, yeah, it, it worked out great. It's not ideal, but you know, when they put magic lanterns into lodge, that was a big deal too. And that was new technology at the time and yeah, they embraced it. So, you know, I think there's definitely a hybrid out there that that'll work. Um, so oh, I just had a question and now it's gone. Oh, speaking of lodges, uh, you know, potentially having trouble starting these programs, right? Let's look back at introspective masonry. Obviously introspective masonry is a self-guided journey. But to your own point, you need support. You need that that system that kind of defines, either gets you into that journey or helps you along that journey. How do lodges go about cultivating a, a culture of introspection within the, within their members? So I might not have the best answer for you on this or the answer you want. Um, I've only known maybe two lodges in the entire country that started off with this in mind where they started their entire lodge saying, this is the kind of masonry that we want to apply. And I will say those two lodges are without question, my favorite lodges I've ever visited. And I've asked masons who have traveled all around the world and they still name those two lodges. Um, when it comes to your lodge, um, my answer is don't start in the lodge. Um, start it with you and a, and a brother who's like-minded. Keep, you know, have the conversations, get together, become close um, and and just start talking about this stuff. And, you know, if you have two, two or three um, members in your lodge that want to do it and the other bunch of the guys in the lodge are not really that interested, cool. Get together at somebody's house, sit down together and start doing it. Uh, you know, um, you know, this idea that masonry has to happen in 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 the lodge room only is is asinine. I remember seeing a post once where someone was being an absolute jerk to someone online and someone said, remember your, remember your obligation. And he said, my obligation does not apply outside of the lodge room. And I was like, well, that's an amazing fraternity. 12 hours a year, you get to be nice to someone as long as you're in this exact spot. Wow. Congratulations. You really accomplished something here. You know, there's the rest of your life outside of that building that again, the lodge is everywhere. The lodge is universal. Um, so find a couple of people and, um, you know, you could, you know, if it was me, um, Chuck Dunning's book is a great way to start, you know, get together, read a chapter, talk about it, talk about yourselves, get, get intimate and, and get vulnerable. And, um, if it works out, keep an eye out for someone else who wants to, to be a part of that and, and let it grow. Um, there's no wrong way to look at yourself, you know, as long as you're being truthful. Um, that, that's the way I would do it. Because it's it's um, it's it's pretty amazing when you have a group together, who are all involved in this. The the conversations alone are are amazing. Uh, and then when you start applying it, it's even even it's even better. What purpose does the group serve in in this again self guided journey through introspection is is an individual practice. So what does the group do in that in that sense? I think the great way to answer that is like, why did, why do you, uh, when people go through the martial arts and stuff like that, why do they go through classes? Why do they have them? Why do they have a, uh, a sensei or a master? It's, it's not about, or why do they have belts? It's not really about being better than everybody, or it's not a ranking system because you need a ranking system. It's, it's really about the communal effort and everybody being there to support you growing. Um, I don't know of any really uh, modern day examples of a single person sitting in his room alone and all of a sudden become enlightened. Um, you know, it's usually an interaction or a relationship that that drives it. Um, and and you know, people kind of go crazy if they keep talking to themselves the whole time. <laughs> you know, um, you, you need to you need to have out, outside opinions and input to to grow. Or you're just going to be in an echo chamber, which is our big, you know, huge problem with society right now. We favor echo chambers. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to touch that conversation <laughs> at all. Um, 
but I, I do agree with you. I think that one of the things that's, you know, really interesting is I've had conversations uh, with you. I've had conversations with uh, Chris Busby. I've had conversations with brothers in my own lodge about a lot of the things that we talk about. And sometimes you have people who are drastically different from the point of views that they come from or the, or the interpretations they have. And, you know, I know you said you used to believe this, but I know you don't anymore. Masonry is not just one way. And, and I think that, you know, one of the, the benefits I see in the group is finding out what those other ways are, finding out other interpretations of the same line of ritual, whether it's four words of ritual that you interpret this way and somebody else interprets this way. You know, finding the best interpretation that fits your situation is, is really important. Yeah, so I, I, I was going to say, like, one of the things that I thought about for a while was, um, you know, if I were to define what Freemasonry is, what would it be? It was a question posed to a bunch of us in a group, and it's a hard question. The more you're into Freemasonry, the harder the, the answer is. Um, and my answer to the group was Freemasonry is... Um, a fraternity and a, and a school that teaches you or points you to the way to achieving agape with your brother, your God, and yourself. Um, and I chose that answer because it has nothing to do with method. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah. Um, and I, I really thought a long time about that. Uh, and the, the reason I didn't want to mention method is, um, you know, like, to use art for an example, the way I learned how to paint was screwing up a thousand times until it looks right. <laughs> you know? um, that That's how I paint paintings. I mess up until I, I'm okay with it. Um, and I think masonry has to be the same way too. You're going to fail a ton, especially when you're really putting work into, uh, into it. Um, but if you apply yourself and you put effort into it, you will achieve results. You know, if masonry becomes, if masonry is easy for you, you're doing it wrong. I do believe that. And again, masonry is not just inside the lodge. It's living masonry outside of it. And I think that's a, a key point because, you know, going to lodge and, you know, you're great at ritual. You can sit through every chair and give every lecture in the lodge might feel easy. It's applying those lessons outside where it gets hard. And yeah, I think so that's a perfect one you don't like. Guess what? Yeah. You're on the level, not with on the level with people who agree with you. You're on the level with everybody. Yes, that is, that is a very hard concept to understand sometimes. And I think that that's one of those hurdles that you have to get over to really understand how to apply those lessons, you know, because it, you're not going to agree with everybody. You, yeah. you know, we all go to work every day, you know, those of us who aren't fortunate enough to be retired, we go to work every day and have to deal with people we don't like, don't get along with and don't agree with. And it's going to happen in your lodge as well. No matter how well you guard the West gate, sometimes people are a great fit for Freemasonry. They're a great fit for your lodge. They may just not be a great fit for you. And, yeah, and I think that we're being taught by society right now to do the exact opposite of putting people on the level. Like yeah. if you disagree with me, you are subpar to me in some way. Yeah. And that there's there's a perfect part to start if you want to start looking at yourself, because I do it, I'm sure you do it, I'm sure everybody listening to this does it. That can't. I don't be like the, I don't like the surety that you said <laughs> I do it, but that's fine. This guy, no, <laughs> um, no, but you know we all do it, and we're being trained to do it. So, um, you know, there's there's your thing. Next time you agree with someone, or excuse me, next time you disagree with someone assume they are equal. And, you know, this is another it's thing. Hard. That, it sucks. <laughs> and this is another, you know, kind of cliche truism that we hear is we tend to judge people by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. I know that what I'm doing is right because I'm, I've got this whole litany of reasoning behind it. Mm -hmm. But I assume that that one guy who cuts me off in traffic is, the son of the devil and is going to burn for it. And, and that's a really hard thing to separate. You know, you gave that example the other day when we were talking, somebody who's rushing past you in traffic, maybe they're going to, you know, see a dying relative in the hospital. Maybe their wife is giving birth. 
I don't know why they're speeding. I don't know why they're making the decisions they're making. And I know that if I'm driving recklessly and I have a goal, I know that I can justify it to myself. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that justification, but you have to assume that most people do. And I think that that's that's a really hard step to get over is understanding that yeah. people don't do things just to make you angry. Yeah. And, you know, like, even if they are just being a jerk, I've, I have found, and I struggle with this one a lot, but I have found that if I am approaching it in that method where I'm just like, all right, I don't know why they're doing this but I'm not going to assume the worst. They might be doing the worst, but my attitude and my level of anger is not nearly where it would be if I were doing it the other way. And oh, that yeah. little thing, you're you're the better for it. Oh, I'm still going to get upset. Oh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. But if you, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. But uh, I'm not going to throw something out the window at them. Right, yeah, th- I'm good. <laughs> With the- Which I've never done. Yeah, just Anybody the Masonic elements chuck at him as they're going. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I, I, I throw them like ninja stars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Doug Paps has an interesting comment uh, in the chat. He says, personality types process differently. If any Lodge has done Myers-Briggs. And I know that, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily believe uh, wholly in, in personality tests like that, but I've seen them work really, really well. Um, and I think that's actually a really interesting approach to understanding the people that you you interact with at lodge you know i my company uses a platform called sure people and we have to take this huge assessment when we start and it assigns us a type and then it also assigns everybody else a type and then you go to this relationship manager that tells you how your type interacts with their type and it's so that you don't get into these big fights at work and meetings go smoothly can kind of prepare before you meet a new person. But personality tests can really help you understand yourself a little bit better. I think they're a part of introspection, whether you know they're they're scientifically accurate or not. Um, but I also think that they're great for understanding the interactions between people in your lodge. Oh yeah. I mean honestly I, one of the big faux pas about uh, Masonic education that really drives me nuts is you have to read a book about a Mason or you have to read yeah. a book by a Mason. Um, you know, half the books behind more, I mean, most of these books behind me are, are uh, lessons that come up in Freemasonry, but they're not written by Masons, but they help me learn more about myself. Um, you know, there, you, how many books can you think of that are about truth that are not written by Masonry? It's like, there you go. There's your starting point or, um, you know, faith, hope, and charity. I have a book back here. Like that's, I can't mention the name publicly here cause it's rated G but it's about hope. And, um, and you know, like I consider that Masonic education and a lot of that book was looking at yourself. Um, so people, I, I, it's one of my, my big, like things that get me about Masonic education is it has to have a square and compass on the cover yep. without question. It doesn't like figure out how you can learn about yourself and apply it. And you know what? I think that's, I think that's the lesson for this whole conversation is you need to figure yourself out. I mean, I think walking into a lodge room and seeing a rush, a rough and a perfect ashlar is one of the boldest statements that we can make in Freemasonry. And the goal is not to be the perfect ashlar because it's not, a, it's not attainable, mm-hmm. right? But getting as far away from the rough as you can and being somewhere in between is important. And I think that's what this whole process is about. And I think it's one of the most powerful symbols that masonry has. I, I think to add on to that is to remember that they're not separate ashlers. That perfect ashler is hidden inside that rough ashler. Um, and, you know, it takes some good hard wax sometimes to, to knock some pieces off. Um, but it's there. You're there. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this is that there's that perfect spiritual being inside all of us. Um, you know, and, and that's that's interesting because... I know in, in Rising Sun in, in Nashua, our ashlers are represented by two different blocks because you have to show the rough and you mm-hmm. have to show the perfect. Most lodges are, yeah. There's a company called uh, Fossil Bluff that does Masonic yeah. um, pieces. And one of his projects in, in 2019 or 2020 was a rough, perfect ashler. And so it's it's a cube of granite, I believe. And it's 
a perfect ashlar on one side and it's kind of devolving into the rough mm -hmm. on the other. And I think that's a, a really good way to display it. I mean, obviously we use it for educational purposes to kind of explain the lesson, but I think what you just said is really important. Every perfect ashlar is, was rough at one point, you know, mm -hmm. every, every rough ashlar has just a few strokes away from being the perfect ashlar and, and finding out how many strokes that is or finding out how much work needs to be done is, is the first step in, in making that journey. One of my favorite Masonic quotes was not by a Mason. It was Michelangelo who said the angel was in the stone. All I had to do was set it free. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I think that that's a great quote. I think it really does reflect a lot of what we're talking about tonight is we need to understand all of these things. So, you know, we've been talking for about an hour now, Ryan, we're going to be uh, starting to wrap up here. Any final thoughts to share um, with our viewers tonight about, you know, introspective masonry or, or how to approach this journey, how to start this journey? Um, well, shameless self-plug. So I am, I set up three, uh, three events in the second district um, where we're going to go over each one of the degrees. Um, and we, I can put this in the notes after, um, but uh, on February 1st in Nashua, um, we're going to go over the EA degree uh, on, on, uh, uh, March 9th in um, Derry, we're going to go over the fellow craft degree, and then we're going to go back to, to Nashua on uh, April 5th to go over the Master Mason degree. So you can come over. Um, uh, I, I believe Nashua is going to open lodge or Ancient York's going to open lodge um, so that we can talk about everything. Um, obviously, people of those degrees are welcome or above are welcome to each one of the events. Um, these are not going to be the way we we traditionally do Masonic events. Um, this is not me getting up and doing a lecture. We're going to um, go over some activities and, and practices that I've kind of worked on for a while and, and kind of give you, in essence, a way to start off looking at the degrees purely in this way. Um, so you can come to those. Uh, if, if they go well, I'm going to probably do it in another district. Um, I'll know after the first one. Um, Honestly, though, I mean, it, it sounds kind of harsh if, if you're not into this or this isn't kind of your thing, um, you don't have to come. And that's OK. You know, if this isn't your thing, that's great. I, uh, but uh, the key to this will be people of like mind in the same room because we are going to get personal and it might get a little painful in a good way. Um, but uh, if, if you're into that, please come and uh, it should be a great time. Um, other than that, uh, if you are interested in this, you can always reach out to me and I can help you figure out how you want to start it. But again, find find somebody who um, who who might want to do this with you um, and become their best friend <laughs> and, you know, uh, meet outside the lodge, you know, have a couple of drinks together, sit down, take it seriously, but have fun. Um, you know, in the groups that I've done this with uh, in, in the past three years, some of my absolute best friends are uh, are um, are in them and we're even closer now. And then um, again, you know, the, the, the start this off, it's simply just per perfect thing to do. Everybody here has their same. Um, everybody here has their favorite bit of ritual. Sit down quietly and ask yourself, why is it my favorite? And then apply it and then think about how it applies to you and you're on that journey already you know start with something that you're already into and see where it goes so ryan i'm going to give you one last opportunity for a shameless self-promotion here you said a lot of names tonight um <laughs> you know among them chuck chuck dunning uh oscar allen um <laughs> yeah those names also ring very familiar to me from another list that you keep uh promoting elsewhere. So you want to talk about that just real quickly, because I think that that's a great opportunity for people uh, to see this from another perspective from, you know, again, other world renowned Masonic speakers. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, June 4th, uh, Masonicon is, um, is coming to New Hampshire. Um, so my friend, Brian Simmons, who is a past master Ezekiel Bates Lodge, in Attleboro, Mass, started this. And after many years, they decided that they didn't want to do it in their lodge anymore to try to figure out something else to do. And they handed it off to me. So we're bringing it up here. 
Um, we're bringing 12 speakers, nine of them uh, from different jurisdictions, uh, all to Manchester. It's $25 for the day. It's completely open to the public. Um, there is also a festive board, which is going to be a blast. Uh, that's $65. And um, yeah, would love to have you come up here. Uh, Chuck is, is coming. Um, he's going to be talking about contemplative masonry, uh, which is great because he is the person who really brought it to where it is today. Um, and then we have Masons from completely different points of view. Uh, you know, Angel Millar, his, uh, he's written another book um, all about the spiritual warrior, that sort of thing. Um, Oscar Allen is coming, who if you haven't heard Oscar do a lecture, you haven't heard Masonry yet. He is just incredible. Um, and we, we have um, actually in this same uh, mindset, we have uh, Sean Bradshaw, a past Grand Master of North Carolina. He started um, with Ben Wallace, the Middle Chamber Program, which is a Grand Lodge-sponsored introspective masonry program where they go through all three degrees over the course of a year and they look at it in this way. And it is the gold standard of Masonic educational programs in the country. Um, and this is the guy who started it. So um, he'll be talking about that. Um, it, it's really, it's a blast. You, you know, we're going to have Masonic vendors there. You want a new ring, you want something for your car. Uh, you know, any, anything you want, it, it's going to be there. Uh, you know, um, you know, a lot of like um, independent bodies and lodges who are having events will have tables there. You can get information for, and you're going to meet people from all over the country and just have a blast. So, um, yeah, please come. <laughs> and oh, we, we only have 140 seats uh, for the for the um, for the uh, festival, board, and it's already half full. So, it's going to fill up quick now after the holidays. So, please come. It's going to be a blast, and it's June 4th. And if you Shameless self-plug finished. Uh, uh, it's uh, MasonicConNH.com. Um, and my own shameless self-plug here for the podcast. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or ideas for topics, please email us at granitecornerstone at nhgrandlodge.org. And if you're a member of St. Mark's Lodge, make sure you tell Scott Newberry that I did this. He's not with us this evening. And he's <laughs> always very, very on top of me to make sure we get that email out there. So, I want, we want to see your comments. We want to see any questions that you have. We certainly want to hear what you want to hear from us. So please let us know, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. I think this was a really great conversation. You know, I came into it a little uh, less educated about Masonic uh, introspection than I than I do other topics. And, you know, I think I've gotten a lot out of this myself, and I hope our audience has as well. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. This was awesome. And have a good night, everybody. Thank you. Yeah.